Okay, well, go to 1 John chapter 3 then. 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, and really kind of in dealing verses 1 through 10, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning." For, the purpose, uh, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifested, or excuse me, manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Right? Um, and so the question that was asked about this passage um, was in dealing with. Um, if you are of God, then it says you won't sin, but if you sin, you're of the devil, right? So how would we take this and, and understand this as a Christian? Is this passage teaching that once you get saved, that you will never sin? And if, because if you do sin, that you are then of the devil, right? Look what he says, <clears throat> um, Verse number seven, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. So, and then verse number nine, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So how would we, how would we explain this passage in dealing with sin, right? Um, is it possible for a Christian to sin after they're saved? <laughs> Everybody's like, uh, duh, right? <laughs> right? I mean, I think we've all kind of done that, right? So does that mean that because we've sinned that we're not saved? Well, he says, he that committed sin is of the devil, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. So how would we how do we explain this? Ms. Hannah? Okay, so once we get saved, we can no longer live in our old sinful lifestyle. Okay, all right. Anybody else? Ms. Don? Okay, all of our sins, when we got saved, all of our sins have been forgiven, they've been wiped away. Okay, 
All right? Anybody else? What do you think? I mean, because, I mean, whosoever abideth in him, verse 6, sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. I mean, that sounds pretty strong, right? That if, if you don't abide in Christ, then you're not really part of him. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. So if we're in Christ, we're not going to sin. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So if somebody does sin, then that means they don't really know God. How do we explain this? Because there are obviously some religions that teach, right? Um, there are some religions that teach once you get saved, when you accepted Christ, you never sin after that. Okay? Um, and if you do sin, then that means you lose your salvation. Okay? Well, we understand the Bible teaches you can never lose your salvation, right? The Bible says once we are saved, once we are born of God, once we are born into the family of God, we can never lose our salvation. But that almost kind of seems like what he's saying here is if, if we sin, then we're not really born of God. We're not really of God. Brother Ken, you had your hand up? Okay. So Brother Ken's saying maybe as a practice of sin, a normal repetition, repetition, is that a word? Repetition, <laughs> repetition. Come up with new words. These are deep theological words that we come up with. In a... We know we're going to sin, but we don't want to make a habit of it. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Again, it's always easy to take one verse and try to make a doctrine out of it. Right? It's easy to take verse number six. Whosoever abideth not, or whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So we could take that verse and say, if you sin, then you're not, you're not saved. You know, you could take one verse and we could say that, right? We could take verse number eight. He that committeth sin is of the devil, right? So if you say you're saved, but yet you sin, then that means you're not really saved. That means you've lost your salvation or you were never really saved in the first place because now you're of the devil. So we can take, we can take one verse and try to make a doctrine out of it, right? But whenever we're going to study Scripture, what do we have to do? What do we need to do? Read more verses. We have to examine the whole context of it, right? We can't just take one verse, right? Well, let's just go back to the first chapter, right? So in 1 John chapter 1... What's he say in verse number 8? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So what does that kind of sound like John just said? What's that? We're all sinners. We're all going to sin, right? In fact, in verse number 9, he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he says... If we sin, then there's a, what, what do we need to do? 
we need to confess it, and we go to God, we ask forgiveness of it, and he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse number 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us, right? So, so think about what he's saying in verse number 10. If we say that we have not sinned, then he says we're making God a liar and God's word is not in us, right? But in chapter 3, he says if we are abiding in him, then we won't sin, right? It almost sounds like these are almost two contradictory things, right? Because he says, if we say we don't have sin, then his word is not in us, because God is saying that everyone is a sinner, right? Everybody's a sinner. Now, the key, I would say, when we're looking at First uh, John chapter 3, the key verse is verse number 10, right? Look in verse number 10. In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother, right? So there are two things in John chapter 3, there are two things that John is trying to, to explain. There's two things John's pointing out. Both of those things he kind of says in verse number 10, right? And the, the first part of this, what we're going to look at, verses 1 through 10, deal with um, a, a true child of God practices righteousness, right? This is what he's saying. In this the children of God are manifest, Right in righteousness, as he says in verse number, uh, verse number nine, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin because he's born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest. So here's here's he says here's how you know the difference between a child of God and a child of the devil. Right. So he's showing a a difference here. Okay. And then the second thing that he deals with, right. And he says, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So the second aspect of it is to loving other Christians despite their differences or anything, right? So the first one is, as a true Christian, I'm going to do righteousness, right? I'm going to live righteously, and I'm also going to love the brethren, Right? These are the two things that he's dealing with here. Right, And again, in verses 11 down through 24, the, really the rest of the chapter, is how he deals with the, the second aspect of it, our, our love for the brethren. Okay? But in verses 1 through 10, he's dealing with this aspect of a Christian living righteously. Right? Um, now, the thing that we have to, to really understand here, when it says... And this word is repeated throughout this. In verse number four, whosoever committeth. Um, in verse number eight, he that committeth sin, right? This word commit and committeth is, is repeated throughout here, okay? We have to understand this, this word commit is a word that is a continuing process, okay? Um, it's kind of like what, what um, I think it was Brother Ken that said this, right? It is, it's a continual practice. It means... We're practicing it on a continual basis, consistently. It's almost like it's a way of life for us, okay? So he's saying a Christian, I think like what Ms. Hannah said, a Christian is a person who is truly born again is not going to continue in the same lifestyle that they lived before they were saved, right? There's going to be a change. A true Christian is not going to continually, habitually live in sin, 
Okay? Now, and I, I think as we go through this, John actually explains this very clearly when we look at the passages here, right? Verse number one, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God, right? So again, we understand he's talking to Christians, and, he, and John is just saying, how amazing is it, right, that God would actually want us to be his children? How amazing is that, that God would let us be called the sons of God? Now, all right, let's stop there a moment. What did I have to do to be called a son of God, a child of God? Forgiveness, being a personal savior. So did I, have to, did I have to live perfect for him to make me his child? And this is what I, I feel like so many times we, we just have to stop and think about it. If I was sinful before I came to know Jesus as my savior, and all of this sinfulness that I had before, Jesus was willing to forgive and make me his child when I had done nothing right, nothing to earn it, I've not, I'm not perfect, and yet he was still willing to accept me as his son. So now, all of a sudden, in order to remain his son, I have to somehow be perfect, which I never was in the first place? You see, you see how, again, when, when we're going to go through here, I don't think John is saying God's expecting us to be perfect, Okay. But this is the mentality that sometimes these, these religions will begin teaching that, you know, okay, yeah, you weren't perfect before you got saved, but now that you're saved, now you've got to be perfect to be, in order to be able to keep your salvation. Wait, I, didn't, I wasn't perfect to gain it. I, I was a sinner. I was on my way to a devil's hell. And all I did was cry out to Jesus Christ to save me, and he saved me. I didn't have to be perfect. I just had to put my faith in him, Right? So now, as I'm living this life, is God, again, understand what I'm saying here, is God expecting me to go from absolute depravity and wickedness and sinfulness, all of a sudden now, I have to be absolutely perfect? It's not possible. It's not possible for it, right? And this is why John is saying, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Think about who we were before we met Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ still loved us and still was willing to call us his own, right? Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. So now that we are his sons, what is he saying? The world doesn't, doesn't know us, right? There's, there's a difference between the world and those that know Christ, right? So, again, here's where it starts to be, be evident. There is to be a difference here. Those who are the sons of God, there is to be a difference in how we live our lives and how the world lives their lives. Why? Because they don't know him and we do, right? Okay, verse number two. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. By the way, that's important. Now. That, you had to circle that word, highlight that word, now. Not, well, maybe when I get to heaven, I'm going to find out. No, no, he says now. If you put your faith in Christ, now. Now are we the sons of God, right? Now watch this. 
and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. So John says, we're, now are we the sons of God, but we're not sure how it's all going to be. Right? We're not sure how it's all going to be. But he says what we do know, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So, again, as a Christian, I am to be different from the world, right? That's what he says, because I know Jesus, I am to be different from the world because they don't know Jesus, right? But did you notice here in verse number two, what I am now is not exactly what he is. Did you get that? What I am now is not exactly what he is. He is perfect. He is righteous. He is holy. 100% in all of those things. Right? Yes, I am to be different from the world. So if you can, the world's over here. I'm to be different from the world. But yet he says even Jesus is over here and we're not 100% like him. We're, we're still different from him. Right? Why? Because we're in this world. We still have this fleshly body, right? He says, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him every, as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Okay? So if I know that I'm saved, I know I've accepted Christ as my Savior, I know I'm supposed to be different from the world, and I know one day Jesus is going to come again, and I, one day I'm going to be like him what does he say in verse 3? He says, Every man that hath this hope in him, what? Purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Now, wait a minute. Why would I have to purify myself if I'm perfect? Why would I have to purify myself if I cannot sin? If I cannot sin, why do I need to purify myself? You see how looking at, examining the context will help us really understand what John is saying, right? If I'm not like him yet, right? But one day I'm going to be. And so he says, if you have that hope that one day Jesus is going to come and you're going to be with him, then he says, here's what you need to do. Purify yourself. Purify myself? What does that mean? It means make sure that we are living differently from the world. Make sure that we're not living in that habitual lifestyle of sin. Right? We are purifying ourselves. We are... We are trying as we walk in Christ and as we walk in the Spirit. We're going to talk about this a little bit later in our message this morning. But as we're following Christ, what are we going to find? We will never be sinless until one day we are with him in glory, right? But while we are on this earth, we should sin less. Right? That's what he's saying, right? As a Christian... 
I am different from the world because I know him. And because I know him, I want to be like him. I cannot be perfectly like him until he returns and changes me into that glorified body where I am not with this sinful body anymore, right? He's going to change us. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is all about. And that's what he talks about in Thessalonians, that one day we're going to be caught up and he's going to change our vile bodies, right? Now, again, remember, we're talking about believers, right? It's only believers that are going to be caught up to heaven, right? And yet Paul says we have vile bodies. Wait a minute. If I'm perfect and I'm not sinful, how is my body vile? Nowhere, nowhere in Scripture does it ever teach that once that you are saved, you will never sin again. Nowhere. Now, again, people try to take one verse and say, well, uh, if you sin, you're of the devil because a child of God isn't supposed to sin. What is this passage speaking about? Don't take one verse and make a doctrine out of it. Look at the whole context. Okay? So he says in verse 3, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin, again, there's that word committeth, That word committeth is talking about that continual lifestyle. It's continually living in it. Transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he, Jesus Christ, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Now, verse number five is is a great verse, right? And, And he says, Jesus Christ came to take away sin... And in him is no sin. So because I am in Jesus Christ, there is no sin in him. And I am in him. So therefore, spiritually, I stand before God sinless. Now make sure you got what I said. Spiritually. Because I am in Jesus Christ, and in him is no sin. Because when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, what sin did he forgive? All sin. He forgave all sin. That's past sin, that's present sin, that's future sin. He forgave all sin. So... Spiritually, in Christ, I, that's why we know that the very moment that we take our last breath on the earth, we're going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there is no sin. That's why he says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Right? Because we are in Christ, there's no condemnation now. Because spiritually, all of our sin is forgiven. Every, every one, right? And that's why we can know, that's why he says here, we have that hope that one day we're going to be like him, right? Are we that way now? No. Will we be one day? Yes, right? And so, again, this is why he's saying here, spiritually, and, and oh, man, why does time go so fast in this class? Um, I'm not, we'll have to see if I can get to that. Remember, we have two natures. We have two natures. We have the old nature and the new nature. The fleshly nature and the spiritual nature, right? 
Before we were saved, we only had one. It was called the flesh. It's called our old nature, right? And that's why before we were saved, we habitually lived in sin. That was our lifestyle. That's how we lived. Oh, maybe we tried to do a little bit better here and there, but our lifestyle was sin, right? Because we are bound by sin. That's how we lived, okay? But now that we are saved, now that we are in Christ, we have a new nature. We, have a, we are a new creature, he says, right? But the thing that we have to remember, once that we became a new creature, once that we have this spiritual nature, it doesn't mean the old nature went away. Do you know we still have the old nature? How many of you had a birthday this year or are going to have a birthday this year? You're getting a little bit older, right? You know why? Because you have an old nature. We have an old nature. That's part of our old nature, right? We age, right? I'm not going to raise, don't raise your hand, but I know a lot of people have been sick this year, right? Do you know why? That's part of our old nature. That's part of the old nature. Sickness is part of the old nature, Right? All of that has to do with the old nature. That's why he says, that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians, he talks about that day when we are going to receive a new glorified body. Why do we need a new glorified body? Because that's when we get rid of the old nature. That's when that old nature is completely done away with. That's why when we have that new body, there's what? That new body will never experience sickness anymore. That new body will never experience death. That new body will never experience, you know, you stub your toe and, uh, you know, nope, not gonna, that's not going to happen. Praise the Lord for that, right? How many of you thank God that when you step on a Lego, right? You might like, Legos are the devil's. I'm telling you, man, whoever invented Legos was of the devil. There's no doubt about it. Number one, because they cost so stinking much. But number two, because parents step on them in the night. And it's always the sharpest point that you step on too, right? I mean, that's just not fun. That was free. That had nothing to do with this. Actually, it did. It had to do with the old nature, right? That's the old nature. <laughs> right? So he says, and again, think, think about this. Right. In verse number three, he says, every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. Again, go back to even chapter two, verse number 28. Chapter two, verse number 28, he says, and now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now think about this. Why would a Christian be ashamed at the coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, if, I have, if I'm saved, right, and I am perfect, and I never sin, why would I be ashamed at the coming of Jesus Christ? I'm living righteously, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, I'm never sinning, why would I be ashamed? And yet, John says here, right, and now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Why would a Christian be ashamed at the coming of Jesus Christ? Because we're not living right. 
Because we're not living the way we're supposed to live. Instead of being different from the world, maybe we're trying to be a little bit more like the world. Right? Instead of purifying ourselves to be like him, we're maybe a little bit more like the world than what we should be. We're not living the way that he wants us to live, right? And that's why he says, hey, abide in him, that when he comes, we're not ashamed, right? That we won't be ashamed before Matt is coming, okay? So again, all of this is, is showing us that it, this is not, what John is saying is not that a Christian cannot sin. It's not what John is saying here, okay? But there is a lifestyle, right? Verse number six, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him, right? So if I am in Christ, right, then as he is living in me, as I am in his word and the Holy Spirit is living through me, as I continue to grow spiritually, there is going to be an evidence of less sin. There's sinning less, right? We're living more righteously. We're living more the way God wants us to live. Less the way the, the world wants us to live, more the way that God wants us to live. Now, please understand, there, there's not a scale we can put on this, okay? There's not a scale that we can say or, or a measurement we can say, okay, all right, you got saved, all right, on this day, so in one year, you need to be at this point spiritually. There, there's nothing we can, we can't, we can't measure it. Okay, everybody is different. Some people, when they get saved, they are, you know, maybe they've already had a little bit of a Bible background or a church background and things. And so, man, they might grow quickly. Or somebody that may got saved that really doesn't know anything about the Bible and stuff, they might have a slower growth or it might be vice versa, <laughs> right? There's, there's no way to say a person is going to grow this much in this certain amount of time. We can't, we can't put that on there. Okay? But what we do know is that there ought to be growth. There ought to be growth. There ought to be, hey, I am not of the world, so I need to be living differently from the world. I am looking to Jesus Christ. I know he's coming back soon, so I want to be uh, trying to live my life more and more like him, more righteously, uh, more in a way that is pleasing to him. And as I'm doing that, what's happening? I'm getting less, I'm getting farther away from the world. The closer I'm getting to Jesus, what's going to happen? The less I'm going to sin. The more I'm going to live righteously, the less I'm going to sin. The farther that I get away from Jesus, guess what happens? The more I sin and the less I'm living righteously. You understand what he's saying here? Right? And so as a Christian, we have to realize, hey, we are not of the world. That's what he says. Very, very first verse. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Right? We are not of the world. But we're not like him yet. One day we're going to be like him. So every day I need to live in that new nature. Every day I need to live in a way that is helping me get closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And yes, there's going to be days when, guess what? We take a step back. Tell me one person in the Bible that did not sin other than Jesus. All right, I mean, that's, that's a given, okay? Other than Jesus, tell me one person in the Bible that did not sin. Can't tell me one, can you? All right. 
other than Jesus, and Jesus is excluded from this, tell me one person in the Bible that after they believed, did not sin. Can't tell me one, can you? See, that's what makes the Word of God so unique. God doesn't just sugarcoat everything and make it rosy and stuff. He actually shows us what is real. God shows us the fall, right? Adam and Eve. But then, not just that, but then even those that believe on him, right? Abraham believes on God. What happened? Abraham fell a couple times, right? I mean, uh, David, David believed on God. David was a man after... David fell a couple times. Peter, man, Peter wanted to follow Jesus and became one of the greatest apostles, right? Peter fell a couple times. Paul, the great, the great missionary, the apostle Paul, Paul says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. You see, again, nowhere in Scripture does it ever teach that you're going to be sinless. By the way, Nowhere in Scripture does it ever teach if you sin, you lose your salvation. Nowhere. Okay? Because once a person has truly accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, they can never lose their salvation. Okay? Now, we're going to have to get to this next week. Not everyone that professes to know Jesus, though, is saved. Right? Just because someone says, I'm a Christian, doesn't mean that they have that new nature. Just because someone says, I'm a Christian, doesn't mean that they're saved. Just because someone comes to church and has a Bible and sings songs and, and does all the things, doesn't mean that they're saved. Doesn't mean that. Okay? And so we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of this as we go through here. But, and I would encourage you, read through verses 1 through 10, right? Read through 1 John and things, okay? John is not saying here, right, that if we sin, then we are of the devil. And only someone who is perfect without ever sinning is righteous and of God. No. That's, there is none of us that are like that, right? There's no one that is never without sin. By the way, John himself John, the one that's writing this, sinned, okay? So, again, don't just take one verse, make a doctrine out of it. Look at the whole context here, and as we go through it, it really basically explains itself, all right? We're going to have to stop there. We'll get a little bit more into this um, next week then, all right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, and Lord, we ask that you just bless in the services to follow, and uh, Lord, thank you for your word, and uh, Lord, just even how as we study it, uh, Lord, you just, you reveal to us what you want us to know through it. And uh, Lord, it's, uh, it's clear, uh, Lord, that once we're saved, we can never lose our salvation. And uh, Lord, I pray that you just help us to, to live more like Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.